listeners. Before the episode gets started, I just wanted to say a quick, I got you. We got each other. We live in a time right now where we are all going through the same emotions of being scared, being worried, being stressed. It is a confusing time out there right now, and all that we can do is take it day by day. Please know that you are so loved, that you have love, you have a lot of love to give, and in days where it just feels completely hopeless, please know that there is hope. We as a society have to come together. Just share kindness in the world. Share the beauty of a laugh, of a smile, of a video chat, of a phone call, the beauty of cooking a meal, the beauty of listening to music, listening to podcasts, watching your favorite show, the beauty of just spending the time that we took so much for granted, we have now. So in this confusing time, again, please know that you are loved, you are so loved, and we will get through this. One day at a time, we will do this. Welcome to What's Your Hustle. In this week's Rewind episode, we take a look back to my sit-down with Jen and Louise Snyder, sisters who each had a 20-year-long career in the Canadian Armed Forces. We talk about their bond as sisters and in the same field. We talk about their inspiration for joining the Canadian Armed Forces, as well as the memories they've made along the way and the laughs they'll take with them forever. In this episode, I also take a look back at my sit-down with Mark Durkash of Wouldn't It Be Nice If. We talk about his power of Thor in a Fracto Burner, his experience at the K-Days auction, and Edmonton Expo. So let's get into it. Here's What's Your Hustle, Remix 2, with my guests Jen Snyder, Louise Snyder, and Mark Durkash. I see we've already started with the giggles. <laughs> yeah, it's knowing your sister's triggers and pushing it. <laughs> she used to get me kicked out from the dining room table. Holman <laughs> is brutal. Really? Yes. <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> I was so excited. Yes, what would you do, Louise? Oh, I'd just make her laugh or say the wrong appropriate thing. My dad would get annoyed and say, Jeffrey, you're done. Leave the table. And Jim would go, it's Louise's fault. No, it isn't. You're done. <laughs> She'd get kicked up at the table. Hey, guys. It's What's Your Hustle? And I'm here with Louise and Jen Snyder. They are sisters, obviously, because they know how to push each other's buttons. And if you hadn't gathered before, they live on getting each other in trouble. They're Maybe. doing it. <laughs> They're doing it now. I made them sit beside each other, so this is gonna be this could be great. They're here today because this episode is dedicated to Remembrance Day. Um, they both served in the Canadian Armed Forces. Jen still works part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, you work in at the base? I do. I'm a civilian, so I'm a, our branch is called the G1 branch, and I look after 15 people, and I'm the admin officer for the G1, who's a lieutenant colonel. Okay. Yeah, so what I do now, I was doing in uniform, Yeah. but I now do it Monday to Friday, and I wear what I want to work. Yay! 
And those I used to call sir, I don't have to anymore. So I don't. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, How long were you, Jen, in actively part of the Canadian Armed Forces? I did 28 years. So I did 10 years with the Navy and then I transferred to the Army. Yeah. And I came out west. Did you always want to start with the Navy? Do you get a choice where you start, I guess? Yes. Yeah. The kids that we went to high school were with the Naval Reserves. Yeah. And that's what got Louise and I into it. So during the winter, it was part-time, and in the summer, it was full-time. That's awesome. Yeah, except that they never put us together. They did it once. (laughs) (laughs) Once only. (laughs) Did they learn their lesson from that? (laughs) Yeah. We found a dead nun. <laughs> oh no! Well, Rest. Let's preface that. Like, okay, yes. Tell so me the story. In Halifax, there wasn't enough room at CF Stadcona for everybody. Okay. So they put us up at Mount Saint Vincent. Yeah. Which is a university, but attached to it is like a convent. Okay. Right? So we were bored one night and went snooping. Yeah. And we shouldn't have been. <laughs> and we were walking through part of the convent and came across a private room where there was a nun in a casket. So, oh. of course, it's like, holy crap, there's yeah. a dead nun and we're not supposed to be in here. So, we and, left and that and was... it was dusk. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the one and only time they ever put us on the same coast at the same time. And we've never been posted together since. They're like, nope, they found a dead nun yeah. together. This is not a good this idea. This isn't a good thing, so... Yeah. Yes. Scared the crap out of both of us. <laughs> what is she doing here? Well, I know the door we went. <laughs> That sounds like a better movie than the nun scary movie that came yeah. out. Yeah. A lot we just never told anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Tell now. <laughs> oh. Louise, how long were you in active duty? For uh, I served service? 21 years. Yeah. And I served it part-time with the Navy. And when I went regular force, I went Air Force. Oh. What was the motivation to go Air Force? Um, well, the idea, we were posted to Cold Lake. Mm-hmm. Their idea of a Navy was four men in a rowboat in Primrose Range across the, in case the F-18s went down. Mm-hmm. So I switched to Air Force. It yeah. just made more sense. Okay. What was the motivation to join the Canadian Armed Forces? We have a big history in our family of serving members. Our great-great-grandfather served during World War One. Um, our grandfather, my father served during the war, um, friends of ours in high school were part of the Navy Reserve, so we all joined together, went East Coast, West Coast, every place in between, and for us it just made sense to carry on the family tradition. It was something that we wanted to do, and it had nothing to do with the careers our older brother and sister went into, so for us it was different, but it made sense. Right. And our mother wasn't a fan of the military, and my dad was all for it, so right tended to aim on the side of our fathers. And was it his father or his great-grandfather that was in the war? So Both it was... his father and his, and his grandfather, and it meant a lot to him to see us in uniform. Scared him, because we never took postings close to home. He got it. So. It's always that father worry of they're not close enough in case well, something if, happens. Well, if we would phone the home, first question is not hi, how are you, but where are you was always the question. You know what I mean? So whether 
Louise was in Russia or I was in Bosnia or I was in the Northwest Territories or wherever. The first question is, where are you? And if we could say, I can't tell you, Dad would go, got it, and then move on to something else. That's nice. It's nice to have someone that's part of your family that understands it and went through it to give you that guidance. I think that's really sweet. Did you both join at the same time? Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? Fun, but we could never understand. For us being twins, there's always that strong connection. And being a twin, you could see the difference in other twins very quickly. So we could never understand how come people couldn't tell us apart. So when we first joined together, they said, okay, put your initials on your name tag. Well, no one else had initials, so why should we? But it was nice to join together, and but we made different friends quickly. So Jen had her own group of friends and I had mine, but we were together for a lot of things. So it was just fun. And you guys, you did all the same training and... We did, except for when we went through Cornwallis, because... Louise went first and I went afterwards. So when I got off the bus, I thought, Snyder, you doing back here. <laughs> what? Why would I want to come back here? Never been here before. And they're really into push-ups. So I think within my first half an hour being off the bus, I did 60 push-ups because of my sister. <laughs> right? Like, really? She's always getting you in trouble. She's not even here. So the one year I spent um, on the East Coast and all the friends I had on the East Coast were on the West Coast with Louise the following year. So I'd get a phone call going, do you know so-and-so? They keep hugging me. Yep, got it. Same thing. I was at the Halifax Tattoo and there's like 16,000 people. And this lady came up to me and said, there sure are a lot of ugly people here, right? I'm thinking, there's ugly people everywhere. <laughs> so she said something else, and she goes, you're not Louise, are you? And I went, no. <laughs> and she laughed. <laughs> she didn't, didn't even... tell me who she was, didn't tell me what was going on. So I phoned Louise and said, do you know a lady that talks about ugly people? She said, oh, yeah, she's a really good friend of mine. We used to tease each other as to who was uglier. I'm thinking... I'm in Halifax, 16,000 people, and this lady picks me out of the crowd thinking I'm Louise. It was nuts. <laughs> Absolutely nuts. Louise, where did most of your tours take place? Uh, I spent most of my career in Canada, but I've been Egypt, Israel, Colorado, New York. I spent 10 days in Russia with the Prime Minister, did a tour with Charles and Diana. But most of mine, uh, unlike Jen's, most of mine were in Canada, though. Yeah. And Jen, what about you? Where did most Um, I've been to Switzerland, Germany, um, Dubai, Bosnia, Sarajevo, Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah. I guess do you get you don't really get a choice of where you're posted, do you? Or depending yeah. on you do. You can ask for specific tours if you want to go overseas. Okay. But most postings when we joined were four to five years. So every four or five years you got posted. Now it's almost eight to ten because of the cost. Mm. So you can apply for tours overseas. Uh, most of the time you can get them, but for internal postings within Canada, you go where you're sent. Okay. Being posted, Jen, in different countries, what has been the biggest culture shock you faced? I have to say Bosnia and Sarajevo, only because... 
of the ethnic cleansing that we saw between okay. the Serbs and the Croats. Uh, so they just woke up one morning and didn't like each other's religion and had at it. So that was sort of the worst I've ever seen. Yeah. That's always stuck to me. Right. Because um, I've been to mass grave sites and I've been to other spots that I normally wouldn't have a chance to go see, but because of the people that I was with, with the military police and other people who were on patrols, mm -hmm. and we saw that. So oh. to me, that would have been the biggest culture shock. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And out of these countries, do you have a favorite that you've been able to visit? Um, Sarajevo was amazing as far as history goes. Yeah. Because I was able to go all over the country and see the Olympic sites, villages, and what was left of them. So to me, that was absolutely amazing. And I'd, I'd go back, actually, just to see what it's like now. Yeah. Yeah. And Louise, for you, what has been the biggest culture shock you've faced? Um, I had a hard time when I went to the Middle East working with Americans. It was a peacekeeping tour, but they had the attitude that we are here to change everything and make you more American than you want to be. So nothing has changed then. No, they're still exactly the same. <laughs> they still have that, we're here to conquer the planet and you're going to become us whether you like it or not. And they just couldn't grasp what they were, were they're supposed to do. I traveled a lot with two Americans in particular. And I always said to them, when we cross the border, you're a Canadian. And this is how you're going to behave or you can't come with me. Set that precedent of respect. Yeah, and I didn't want to get arrested on the other side because they were misbehaving either. Yeah. So, um, but for me, it was more their whole attitude. You're right. It hasn't changed in no. 20 years. Where has been your memorable or favorite place that you visited? Wow. Um... Well, I thought Colorado was amazing, but then I got to go into Cheyenne Mountain and see some pretty secret stuff. So to me, that was amazing. And I think Israel was just beautiful and stunning. And I'd go back to Israel. Um, I'd never go back to Russia. Louise, how old were your kids when you were away? When I was in Egypt for six months, they were six and eight. My phone bill was horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot because I called them at least once a week. Yeah. and talk to them as often as I could. I sent lots and lots of letters. Mm -hmm. Christmas time over there was extremely hard, being away from family and friends. And yeah. So everybody tried to make it work with each other. But yeah, they were six and eight. Yeah, they were little, little. Yeah. Yeah. You send them a lot of things from Egypt and... Yeah, and wherever or whichever country I was in, I'd try and send my kids something that had to do with that culture like the Russian dolls and other things, so that they always had something from wherever we were at. Right. Gives them a sense of the world and culture. Because when you couldn't be around, that at least opened up their eyes to... There's a whole other world out there for them as well. And what amazes me, even all this time later, they still have it. Then what was it like leaving loved ones when you were away? Um... I was married at the time, so I did three tours in five years. The hardest person leaving was my sister. It wasn't my spouse, because he was military as well, but my sister. So when our four guys in Afghanistan died, we were in a blackout. And the first person I called when it was listed was Louise, 
Mm-hmm. And call my spouse or anybody else I call. Um, but I think the military brought us closer together as much as we've always had a close bond. That just brought us back closer together so we could always email each other or I could phone her um, no matter the time change. Mm-hmm. But like I said, in Afghanistan, um, when the ban finally lifted, I phoned her first. Yeah. So it was always hard leaving her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still is. I hate it when she goes away, whether it's... You know, down in the States or the PEI or whatever. And we always talk at least twice a day. Yeah. Even now, <laughs> if not more. So, guys, it just proves no matter how much you fight with your sister, there's still, <laughs> there's still that annoying person that you're stuck with the rest of your life that you wouldn't have any other way, I really. Um, Louise, mental scars are quiet but last longer than physical ones. What are your mental scars and what has the healing been like for you? Um, and whatever you don't want to talk about, you don't that's okay. have to talk about um, I don't understand how people, as they get older, can't grasp the general things in life. Mm. And um, we were never handed things to us on a silver spoon. We had to earn it. You had to do things in order to earn your allowance and do things. Our mom was very academic. We had to prove a lot of things to her. Whereas our dad was very much, if you've done your best and you're good with it, so was he. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really struggle with people that just kind of drift through life and don't get it and have no aspirations to be more, more or any better or any stronger and I find at work I've got one individual that can't grasp the basics and it frustrates me mm-hmm. and I don't know how to let that go to want to say get a grip this isn't difficult but they have they don't have the same background I do or the same understanding so I just have to try and figure out how to a shut up and b not let it bother me yeah I get it it's it's people that you're given every opportunity, but you don't necessarily know how to use those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You never truly leave being in the armed forces and training stays with you. What have you learned about yourself because of it? And what message do you want to send to those in the armed forces or who have retired from the field? Um, for me, I'm very proud that I served. Sometimes on Remembrance Day, when there's very younger army guys around the cenotaph and they have more medals, I've had a couple years where they've poked fun at me and, well, you haven't been to all the places I have and who in the hell are you? And like they look down their nose at me. I served 21 years. I'm very proud of the fact that I served. Mm-hmm. Very proud of the fact the places that I went. Very proud of the fact that I'm a serving member in a very strong serving family. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never frowned upon the fact that I only have three medals as opposed to eight. And Jen, what message do you want to send to those in the armed forces right now or have retired from the field? Get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I allow one. Because <laughs> you have guys that have done 30 years of military don't know what they want when they get out so they go to a job interview they're in a really nice three-piece suit and they're military oxfords 
You couldn't afford another pair of nice normal shoes when you got out? Like, really? Walmart has them for real cheap, guys. <laughs> I've heard that. And you don't have to polish those. No. <laughs> Most guys that I know these days that when they get out, they know what they want to do when they get out. Yeah. I've seen friends of mine, though, that have done 30 years. A week later, they're in Mexico golfing and they've died of a heart attack because mm. they've done the military for so long. Right. Um, most of them know what they want. Just make sure that you know financially what you want and where you want to go. Because you get young guys that get out now that aren't financially set up, aren't financially sound, and don't know what they want when they get out. They just know that they want to get out of the military. Mm -hmm. Just make sure you have it together when you get out. Yeah. Where you want to go, what you want to do. Right. And how you want to get there. Yeah. Having your fatigues in your closets still, and you look at them from time to time, what kind of happy memories does that bring up for you? I'm one of these people is your time is what you make it. And even in Afghanistan on Road Zero, where we were, you know, there's two people in a four-man tent. By the end of your tour, your zippers don't work because of the sandstorms. You pick up your boots every day and shake them out for scorpions and camel spiders and snakes and stuff like that. It was one of my good tours because of the friends I made and the times that we had. So we would, overseas they have what's called a gator. It's like a, a golf cart. So the Americans were living in a, in a brick building. So we would all sit in our gators. We'd put up a movie on the side of the wall and pretend it's a drive-in. You know, we'd all make yeah. popcorn and different stuff like that. So I think of good times, times I've been out in a field, times where you've been awake for 36 hours and you know, because you've been out in the field and you're doing different things. The people I've met, though I still have friends with. You know, I've been on the CFB Edmonton base since 98. You know, so I still have a lot of friends, and most of them are still family. Oh. So I have good memories of my friends. Yeah. I don't have any left in my closet. <laughs> I got rid of all of them, but, you know, I have good memories of it. Awesome. And Louise, for you? I, uh, when I got out, I got out. I didn't go on the reserve list. I didn't keep anything in my uniform. Um, I still had my United Nations beret and my peacekeeping medals and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. My memories are all in my head and in my heart. So I remember things when I was on board ship and doing midnight shifts and parts of Egypt and Israel, my tour with Princess Diana. I tell people stories depending on the subject and some of them are funny. Some of them I try and point fingers to go, if I can do this, so can you. Um, so to me, it's certain smells, certain sights trigger things, but I don't have any parts of my uniform in my closet either. Turned it all in. What for you, Louise, are your top five songs? Um, there's, sorry, I have to look at my notes because memory's short. <laughs> for one, Tim McGraw, if you're reading this, this is about when he has served his country and passed away, and the song is dedicated to his family and what it's about. The video is absolutely phenomenal. The second one is by Pink and Chris Stapleton, Love Me Anyway. Uh, Ed Sheeran, Supermarket Flowers is about his grandmother and what she meant to him growing up and how she was able to see him turn into a great young man. The other one was The Greatest Showman Cast, uh, This Is Me, and Johnny Reed with Jessica Mitchell, and the song is called Whiskey Kisses. And Jen, what about you? What are your top five songs? 
We all be kind of different from Wheezy's. My first one is Sound of Silence by Disturbed. Yeah, Disturbed. Um, it's a long way to the top by ACDC because it's got the bagpipes in it. Yeah. It is rocking. <laughs> that I like. Awesome uh, driving music. It is. Dancing on My Own by Callum Scott. You Are the Reason by Callum Scott. And Mercy Street by Peter Gabriel. Uh, I'm here today with Mark because he has his own hustle going on, his side hustle. It is a very crafty engravement hustle. Would you call it that? I, I call it custom wood burnings and carvings. See, he's much more technical with it, where I'm just like, he engraves things on pieces of wood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, a lot of it's burnt, too, now. It started out as engraving, kind of went from there. Did you always have a love for craftsmanship? Where did this start? Yeah, I mean, I've always kind of liked working with my hands. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really want to sit behind a desk for the rest of my life, so... Mm. Got into the trades, carpentry ticket, and just started building furniture kind of in my leisure time. Did some carvings and burnings on that. Actually, the piece that your computer's sitting on is actually one of them. It is. It's done in third year, I think. When and why did you start Wouldn't It Be Nice? Wouldn't It Be Nice? We started here, I think it was in May, May or June, something like that. Essentially, it all started with our brother, mm. who it was his birthday, and mm. I needed to make him a present. So I decided to make Captain America holding Mjolnir because I had recently purchased a fractal burning machine, uh -huh. which is how you electrocute wood. So I bought that and I needed to justify the purchase. Yes. Because I didn't have any reason to have it otherwise. <laughs> You're like, I need a gift. What can I do with this to make it useful? I need a gift. Gifts that's, for everyone. That's exactly what it was. And I was just like, hey, I like how this turned out and it was fun making it. I just started making more. What has been your favorite thing to make? Uh, probably the favorite thing I've made so far uh, was the Doctor Strange burning that I got hanging in the, uh, the, living, the room. living room right yeah. now. What is more difficult to make? Something small like a magnet or a, I would think a bigger piece because it takes more time consuming. The bigger ones are more time consuming, but with the details, you don't have to be as precise because you have a bigger area to work with. Right. So you can, you have a little bit more play in that sense. But I know, because I did some really detailed coasters early on, which took almost an hour each, and that were the Batman ones. They were quite time consuming and they were pretty difficult actually, just because they were so small. Right now you're currently working on a bunch of Elvis things I saw downstairs. Yep, he has been the flavor <laughs> of this week. What is your new process like using you got a new tool. Yes. What is it? So recently, I think that was two, three weeks ago now, we got something called a Glowforge. Okay. A Glowforge is a laser printer, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, so it does a lot of the finer detailed things, like we're doing a lot of uh, Christmas ornaments. Mm -hmm. um, we started doing uh, laser burn photography. So printed, digitally printed right. onto wood, uh, like high resolution photos. So we've got a few examples downstairs, but we started doing that about two, three weeks ago. So it's taken a lot of the finer work out of my hands and I can focus on the bigger things. Like as you saw, Elvis. a large Elvis. Giant Elvis. Yeah, that one's It's like a Christmas feet. gift, I'm assuming. Honestly, no, it's just, Someone just, to have just it what I have. Portfolio yeah, just Elvis. put it in the portfolio. Excellent. You won first prize at the K-Days Art Show. Of one of them. Yeah, of them. I mean, that's kind of a vague statement because <laughs> I don't know if anyone's been to the Katie's Art Show. Um, There's a lot of categories. Yeah. Mine was in the wood carving category. And it's the first year you've done it, so I think that's a big Yeah, job, well, right? I guess they only brought it back 
last year. Okay. It, it was big in the 80s, and then it kind of went away for a bit. But, uh, yeah, no, they brought it back, and I saw it. I was like, hey, I've got a wood carving. Yeah. I'll enter it. And you won. I did. What was that What was that moment for you? You got a dinner? Or they didn't even, you, you're like, they didn't even tell me I won. They yeah, they didn't, they didn't tell me. Um, like I said, there's a lot of categories. I think there's, yeah, like 40 or 50 different categories. Yeah. So I won my carving category. I don't know what else was entered. Right. I have no idea. Maybe I was the only one. Right. I don't know. But it was a big Beatles piece that I had done, um, the Let It Be album cover, mm. essentially, in a vertical stance. And, uh, yeah, I was just looking online, because I remember I'd entered, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Looked online, and my name was on their sheet of Ooh. prize winners. I'm like, oh, cool, yeah. what do I win? And I looked it up, and it was $6. Yeah, <laughs> cost, cost me $10 to enter. And I won six. He lost yeah. $4. I lost $4, but it also came with free entry to K-Days. Okay, good. So I guess I'm technically ahead because I think that was 15 bucks if I was to buy it yes. at the door. So I was yes. a little bit ahead, yeah. You got to go to K-Days for free. Do you know how much I got to go to K-Days. Although the weirder part was I got an email like a week before. They're like, oh, you want to do the live auction? I'm like, yeah, well, sure. My piece is, yeah, that'd be cool to put it in the live auction. Yeah. And uh, so I did that, and I was kind of excited. You yeah. know, we went down, we looked at it. I was like, oh, I couldn't find it because it was right around the time of the auction. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, cool. Let's see this thing get auctioned off. It was embarrassing. Oh, no. What Because there was a good 10 different things. Like, yeah. there was a tablecloth. There was this wood carving, some photographs, yeah. just really random stuff. Yeah. And they had an actual auctioneer. They had the stage. Mm-hmm. Bunch of chairs. Mm-hmm no advertising at all that there was going to be an auction. I didn't even things. know Katie's had auctions. Exactly. I didn't know either until they emailed me about it. <laughs> Couldn't find it on the website anywhere. <laughs> it was really badly executed. Yeah. And yeah, we sat there for the first item and there was maybe five people. Oh, I And I'm pretty sure that all five of us just had things in the auction to see what happened. And so yeah, I had, I had to walk away. I couldn't I couldn't even wait and stay because <laughs> like, it was awkward. You're like, there's my ego. Oh yeah. bye. And I was like, alright, <laughs> let's uh let's go get some food. You also did Expo this year. What was that experience like for you? Uh Fan Expo was actually really fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um we didn't lose money. We actually no. made a few hundred dollars. It wasn't yeah. anything crazy. Yeah, no, Expo was really fun. It yeah. was good. Yeah, it was really first good. First year doing it. Yeah, first year. Um, it was kind of a whim almost. I mean, we applied, I think it was only like a month before. Right. We were kind of surprised we got in, to be honest. Because the thing is with Expo, I know for Calgary especially, they have two different artist alleys. Yeah. They have the ones that are just starting out. Like, for example, you would the be beginner in area, the beginner area. Yeah. And then they have artist alley. For well-established, like, we come every year, we're, like... Oh, yeah. No, a lot of those vendors, they've been doing this for 10, 14, 15 years. And it's really big that you got into Artist Alley, because usually they'll put, like, beginners by the food. Oh, really? Yeah. I know we we applied for Artist Alleys, at least. Yeah. Because I know Calgary is a bit... Bigger. Bigger, obviously. I think they were saying it's almost, like, three times as big as far as Artist Alley went. That's really big that you got there. Through this hobby, and then into a hustle... Mm-hmm. Is this a type of therapy for you? Uh, yeah, honestly, it uh, it's kind of developed that way. I mean, like I said, it kind of just started as a gift, and then it kind of grew and has gotten out of hand a little bit. 
But uh, yeah, no, it's been a little bit of a distraction from some other stuff going on. It helps. What about it gives you a sense of calm and helps you through all the grown-up life stuff? (laughs) Honestly, I think mostly it's the fact that I can envision something and then usually on most of these things, it's two or three hours later, I have a physical copy of what I had in mind and it's kind of transpired into something that I can put on a wall and be like, hey, I made that. That's cool. Some days things will just go so crazy and messy and you're like, what am I doing? Does this give you a sense of like stability and control in something that you know is a for sure thing? Uh, well, it's a for sure thing I can make it. Yeah. It hasn't been a for sure thing I can sell it. Well, not to sell, That's but been to a little make different. and your internal like. Yeah. Movement. Yeah. It gives you a little bit of calm because you're like, oh, okay, I accomplished this today. I made Captain America. You know, it's kind of cool. And it brings a joy into people's lives, because how excited was your brother-in-law that you're just like... Oh, he was super jacked. Like, he did not believe that I made it. I'm like, yeah, no, I right. I made this. And I recently remade that piece and made it glow in the dark now. That's something I figured out I can do, too. And then how many... Like, I saw so many kids come up to you when you did St. Albert Market, and then this next bow, and they were just so pumped to be like, oh my god, it's Pikachu, or that's Captain America. Like, that's a sense of, like... It's, it's a good feeling. Yeah. And, and that's one thing we actually got a lot of, was we got... A lot of attention we we turned a lot of heads because it's something that not a lot of people are doing like people do woodwork yeah they make you know coffee tables they make cutting boards but to do what we're doing it's something that i haven't really seen a whole lot of i've seen people do it with lasers and cnc machines but a lot of the stuff i've done so far is a lot of handmade stuff the beatles obviously was something that it was an inspiration for you that you're like i wanted to draw these faces i wanted to do this cover art yeah, yeah. Uh, that was more, honestly, I was brought up on the Beatles by my parents, well, yeah. more so my dad than anything. Uh, I know growing up, I always bugged them that I didn't like them, I didn't appreciate them. Yes. Um, but obviously it wore me down and it worked, yeah. so it got through to me. I appreciate them now and did a really good band. Uh, don't you hate to admit when your parents were right? Uh, there's so many things. <laughs> I mean, I was raised on sarcasm because of him. And now you're out. working on Elvis pieces. Do you use a lot of music while you're in the process of creating them? Uh, yeah, because in the garage we have Bluetooth speakers, so I just hook up to those. And then when it's really noisy, I actually just have headphones kind of plug into that and sometimes listen to podcasts on it. Um, and then, yeah, other times just whatever musical playlists I want to throw in there. What are your top five songs? My top five songs? I've actually been thinking about this because I knew you were asking. (laughs) Um. They don't have to be current. They don't have to be your all-time top five. They can just be right now. They can be... I mean, most of these are kind of all-time-ish. I mean, there's one, The Hook by Blues Travelers. It's not The Hook, it's just Hook. Okay. Because that is a song about nothing. Literally nothing. It's the Seinfeld of songs? It is the Seinfeld of songs. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. There you go. Because you know which one I'm talking about, right? No. No? I don't even know this artist. What? You oh, they were big in the, the 90s. Door for me. They had a huge harmonica following. That sounds interesting to anyone. I mean, someone might find harmonica interesting. It, it was good music. A few hits, actually. It's very bluesy. Yeah, they were blues traveler. Yeah. That's what's their name. Uh, yeah. Kind of. Ish. I might like it. I do. I think you'd like the song. Because the next one I got is uh, Brian Wilson by Bare Naked Ladies. I know of Bare Naked Ladies, and I know. Lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson did. What I had. I'm pretty sure I would know the song if I heard the song. But Bare Naked Ladies is 
all-time Canadian. And if you don't know Bare Naked Ladies, I'm so sorry. It's like not knowing Jason Priestley. And Jason Priestley works really closely with the Bare Naked Ladies. Does he? Why? Yeah, he directs some of their videos. Really? Yeah. I didn't know he was even a director. Yeah. He was a That's big time director for Canada really? stuff. Uh, content. Canadian content? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I learned something. Very nice. Look at that. Uh, yeah, and then... I guess another one would be Green Light by Lord. Banger. I really love that song. That's a bop for you. Oh, it's so good. I don't know why. Like, Lord just gets me. Does she? She's got so many good songs. Yeah, the angst. Is it the angst? I don't know what it is. Okay. Like, she just, like, she came out and like, yeah, yeah. I'm into this. But Hey Jude. Yes. I mean, the Beatles. Really, that's a great song. Yeah. Grew up on Beatles. Yeah. And that was kind of one of their penultimate songs earlier, right? Yeah. And Paul McCartney's still killing it. He's still going. Yeah. I can't believe it. Wasn't like, he here last year? Yeah, it was just, yeah, just last year. Yeah. He's killing it. Oh, yeah. He's killing oh, my God. It. And then Elton John's on his. Um, yeah, he was just in town a few weeks ago. Yeah, his like, farewell tour. Yeah, which is like three years long. I know. It's insane. It's British bastards. They know how to get you. Well, it's just a, oh, I'm going to retire, but. Not really. Oh, three, three years I'm going to retire <laughs> to spend more time with my family. Don't get that. You're gonna be seven years old, Elton. Yeah, right. <laughs> like he's missing a lot of time. I mean, in hey, years. you need to support their education. He he doesn't need I the money, but feel like he doesn't need the money at he all. Doesn't. I know he's doing it for his fans, which but is cool. One day awesome. he might. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I feel like he has made enough. Yes, he is going to be well taken care of. Very well taken care of. So yeah. is his grandkids, probably. Mm -hmm, probably. Yeah. And then another little-known song is "This Is the Life" by Amy McDonald. She's a she's a singer from Europe that my sister found when she traveled to Europe and brought right. back the song with us or with her. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, it's kind of like a folk punk or no pop kind of song. Uh -huh. It's quite good. I recommend it. Does she and she has a big Euro following then? I, I assume think so. so. I I don't fully know. I know yeah. she's got I've got two of her albums. I don't know if she has a third one or not yeah. yet, but. Uh, yeah, she's a lovely little singer. So where can the people find you in Edmonton specifically? Because right now you are traveling I, distance for Edmonton. Yeah, I do deliveries <laughs> in Edmonton because I live here. Yeah. So do some of you. <laughs> send them a message. Send them a DM. Thank you for listening to What's Your Hustle podcast. Created, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Halima Hussain. We will be back on April 13th with brand new episodes. Until then, follow us on Instagram at What's Your Hustle Podcast. Subscribe, listen, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. Follow on Spotify, as well as anywhere else you stream podcasts. And until next time, whatever your hustle is, you got this.